had sex. Sex is different. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJK Vaya. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbors. We are the Neighbors Recap Podcast, and we discuss episodes of the Aussie soap opera Neighbors that have just aired. And well, they'd have aired in Australia because that's where we are. So that's what we do. I'm Vaya here in the Pirate Net Studios, our homeland. But we we've dialed up Pierce Grayson's technical company, his corporation, Grayson Global, to beam out to our other isolated co-hosts. Kate, are you still kicking around in Anglesey? I am indeed. The Anglesey Backpackers is looking increasingly empty, but I'm still here. Great. It was actually um, eerily quiet down here today, which was which is a good thing. There was nobody here. There's no traffic yeah. on the Great Ocean Road. And CJ, we have a suggestion for you to maybe take up residence. Maybe you're taking up residence in a different apartment this week. Oh, and what's an apartment we've seen this week? Oh, Mackenzie's party of one. Yes. Oh, so I live with Mannix now. Okay. Just for the week. Like, I mean, look, he seems to like to watch TV and I, I can deal with that. Love Capsule seems like exactly your cup of tea, by the way. It does. It does. It seems like um, they're talking about Netflix love series or maybe like, you know, Big Brother slash The Bachelor kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And we have a fourth co-host today. It's... Beck Dahl, where are you? Hi, guys. I'm actually in Adelaide. I'm uh, borrowing the apartment that Paul McLean bought when he went to play for the Adelaide Crows. Excellent. Yeah, he's let me stay here, which is nice. Is this like the first one we've done over different time zones then? Oh. Yep. I'm like a whole half an hour behind you, Kate. And 20 years. Don't tell me what happens. <laughs> Beck, I didn't even realise. I just told you our time and assumed you were on board. Mate, I've... You know, when you're working, I'm working in my Melbourne job from here, so I am very good at time zones at the moment. It's a, it's a weird quality I've established during these unprecedented times. <laughs> Beck's Melbourne job is to be a legal eagle, uh, and it's going to become very relevant momentarily when we discuss some of the legalities on Ramsey Street. Oh, mate. But also, she's a, an AFL football aficionado. Which at the moment is, you know, dried up, so. Well, not worth the paper it's written on as it turns out, but, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> so, let's jump into a bit of Neighbours Council business. The business, again. The main item of Neighbours Council business is a birthday shout out. We don't get to do these very often. I guess people don't ask. Somebody asked. Lily asked us to shout out Abby, her sister, who is a Neighbours and Neighbours enthusiast. And it's her birthday on Baby Lou's birthday, isn't it, CJ? It is the April 16th. And Abby is a doctor, frontline worker, working through her birthday because of coronavirus. So, bloody hell, a hero. I'll get Mariah Carey's hero going again. Yes, please do. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. We need that in our arsenal now. But happy birthday, Abby. Do we know what kind of doctor she is? No, we don't. But I'm assuming like Carl, she can do it all. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Dr. Abby. Happy birthday, Abby. I'm having a drink for you now, Abby. How about we give a little podcast clap for all the frontline workers out there at the moment? Yeah, nice. Right. <laughs> I so clap. 
I'm using one of my hands for a mic, so I just clapped on my shoulder blade. <laughs> so Phil's just in the background here, waving his hands like he's accepting all the praise, by the way. so <laughs> Kate's husband is a physio. It's a Philzio. <laughs> He's a respiratory physio, though, one fairly needed right he's now. He's a physio for all trades. Yeah, he's Dr. Carl, a physio. He's, he's, the, he's the Dr. Carl of physios. From your dog to your child to your old person, <laughs> in the pool, out the pool, he can do it all. Yes, very appreciative. And Kate, can you shout out the beautiful piece of art we saw on our Facebook group Neighbours Council from Eleanor? Oh, Eleanor, that was amazing. This is I, I was texting my fellow designer friends this morning and I said, somebody turned my catchphrase into craft <laughs> and it was a cross stitch of another dark day for Erinsborough. I was like, oh, that made my day. Well done, Eleanor. If Look, I don't know how fast you can turn them out, Eleanor, but start an Etsy shop. Look, underneath you could have high, hospital, police. Get the whole range. Justice system. <laughs> Definitely justice system is the new contender. Everything, everything in Erinsborough. Like, you know, <laughs> even the hotels collapse. Yeah. <laughs> and our council is quizzing up a storm to keep amused. People are doing their own pub quiz. Simon's hosting it. Well, we'll have hosted it whichever time you list. Anyway, it's usually like England Friday night that it goes up, but also you can watch the streams back on our group because they're, they sit there and you can just play along, people in your house. And also friends of the pod, Ben and Ben, are starting their own quiz. Uh, Naybens. So follow Naybens on Twitter and you can get the lowdown on where they are. Everyone's got ears sorted. Have fun, guys. Sounds really good. Yes. If I wasn't a professional quiz question writer, I would have a lot of time for this. <laughs> but I don't always have the brain space for quizzes in my downtime. <laughs> also, they're starting at 5.30 in the morning. I had a chat yeah. um, with them this week and I don't think I can get up at 5.30. Yeah, no, the time difference wasn't our friend with the, the end of daylight savings. No. But uh, pregnancy insomnia will be sure to kick in for me in a few weeks, so I'll definitely jump on at that point. Yeah, and after that, you'll have a baby that will wake you up. So <laughs> Yeah, I'll be there. And, of course, we're going to go into a spoiler territory now because of the broadcast delays with the UK, but you can definitely still chat along or join the fun on Neighbours Council. There are some threads there you can follow to get up to date if you're behind this is business it's not personal now we are going to do instead of a deep dive i actually it's such a shame that the uk is behind because this package of episodes from april 6 to april 10 were just wonderful like i couldn't like of course i can fault them i couldn't fault them <laughs> i loved watching every single day you, you girls? Yeah, it was just, firstly, there's so much happening on the street, not much silliness, which I, which I know we love, but also it's kind of nice because I don't want a whole lot of silliness right now. Mm. Not that I want a whole lot of seriousness, but they're drama. It's drama stories all over the place. And that's why we tune into Neighbours, isn't it? And it's not just like explosions all over the place. It's um, it's emotion-based drama. Yeah. I've also found that Colette Mann's grief uh, wardrobe and makeup is very similar to my working from home wardrobe and makeup. <laughs> so relatable content, as they say. Relatable. I feel like tonight she's just nipped down to like Jeans West or something and picked up a T-shirt from there and thought, ah, oh, well, I probably won't wear this anywhere outside of the garden. I'll just buy this. Again, relatable. <laughs> 
Although Lex on Twitter says it was one of Gary's T-shirts, which is oh. kind of even more sad. It's like, oh, no. It was because she, she smells it later on. Oh, I, I never thought Gary would smell good, to be honest. <laughs> no, he doesn't look like he smelled well. I mean, he's the actor's still alive, but no, the character Gary never looked like he smelt amazing. I always imagined he had like sort of chemist warehouse half price aftershave on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like he thought it smelt really sexy, but it did not. But I reckon he would only put that on when he had a date, when he was oh, going yeah. out. I don't think he had that on to do the tram shift. I think there'd be a faint whiff of old cooking odours attached to him. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and vegan cooking too. Oh, wasn't he a raw chef for a while? So there would have been no cooking. Oh, that was when he was at the motelness centre. Yeah. Um, but there would have been like, you know, onion on his fingers. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Old onion fingers canning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to open that door too widely, to be honest. And he died before everyone washed their hands 100,000 times a day. So. <laughs> oh, he yeah, he would not have coped with the Rona. Thankfully, we're spared that. Sheila is also not coping. She's running around like a headless chook this week. Monday, she was really frenetic. She was just pacing around the street, trying to like blame anyone who was in her path, trying to get bloody Dr. Naka deregistered and almost broke up with Clive because he wouldn't sack him. And then she wants a bloody statue of Gary erected in Erinsborough. Thank God that Erinsborough Council saw sense. I was unclear as to what Gary had done to deserve a statue ever. Just being her son. Like, that's all she's thinking. Yeah. Fair play. He was good in the sack. That was it. Well, that's true. By the end of the week, she's trying to think of a fitting tribute to Gary. What do you think would be a fitting tribute around town? I think a permanent menu item at Dippy's. What would that be, CJ? Something that he cooked. Like one of his items. Um, Dippy cooked some of his biscuits later. Something like the Gary's Bliss Balls, wouldn't it be, Kate? Oh. 100%. <laughs> Gary's salty bliss balls. <laughs> Salted caramel. Yeah. Um, oh, but come on, guys. There's only one thing he could cook, and it was an emu egg omelette. Yeah. It would, it would feed the millions. It's got to be something Dippy wants to sell. <laughs> yeah, something that would sell, which I'm not sure. Like, of course, like the tram will have its own thing, but probably a lot of the cast and crew are just really happy that one of the key tram members has died because they might maybe they won't have to go back there that much. Or the, it's easier to shoot one less yeah. person. <laughs> what about like an annual homing pigeon race? The Gary Canning Memorial Homing Pigeon Good Friday Appeal Race. Yep. yep. Love, Perfect. Love it. 100%. Down at the lake. Well, if Sonia gets a bloody memorial tree, why can't Gazcan get a memorial tree too? Well, firstly, she was the mayor. Like that's why she got the mural. Because that's kind of actually involved in the community. Okay, I'll pay that. My former mayor, grandfather, did get a park named after him. So I, I will have to pay that. Oh. But Gaz um, can. Come on. He got murdered by a psychopath. That's a pretty tragic way to die too. I think Pierce and Chloe should name Bum Island after him. Oh. I mean, they should. But I, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of work to, to move it off that name, isn't it? <laughs> that's a rebrand. <laughs> Would it be too much to name an archery um, arena after him? Ooh. Ooh. That's like the Harold Holt pool in Melbourne. Correct. After our Prime Minister who drowned. Or Gazcan's bum island. It's his bum. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> it is nice. It's fitting. No, 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 no. I got it. Ladybird Island. Oh, yes. yes. No. And they'll have to ship in ladybirds just to make it good. You know what I mean? 
and then it'll be an enigma after that. They won't really know where the name came from. Um, I just think it's pointed out that Sonia got a memorial on land that her foundation owns and we don't even know who planted that tree, do we? Yeah, Toadie did because he scattered the ashes in and amongst the soil. So Toadie planted it. So Colette could go down and plant a tree. Like no one's going to stop her from doing that. I reckon um, Sheila should go and buy a decent tree, not a calistamon, and plant it in her own backyard. And that, that can be a nice tribute to him. Yes. Yeah, big, strong eucalypt. Lovely. Well, they'll have to move the pigeon cages now that they've let them go so they can put the tree there. They could plant a really tall tree so that Gary could look over at all the neighbours and finally be looking down at them all, particularly (laughs) Paul's. Well, let's bookend it because at the very end of the week we get that lovely scene in the garden. Sheila's just had a rotten week. She hasn't coped with anything and she sits down in the yard sniffing his T-shirt. She's eating his cookies that Dippy had made, which was a nice touch. And then a little pigeon pops down and coos at her. And I guess it's the reincarnated spirit of Gascare in bird form. Yeah. yeah. And we thought it was sad when Tony hung out with a tree. <laughs> <laughs> at least a bird is and can almost talk back to you. Yeah. It's living. Like, well, I guess trees are living too. Whoops. <laughs> Sentient. He's like bird from Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. With his bottle cap collection. No, he didn't he love pigeons, Bert? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was branching out into his other interests. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, okay, big news at the Ken Den. There's been a ransacking. A good old fashioned ransacking. Okay, so who do we think did it? Gotta be Claudia Watkins. Do you reckon she's um hooked up with the new villain of the week and he did it to Ooh. on her demands? Mannix. Do you think Mannix is in with her? He gets in with anyone. We can't really have more than one villain at once. Mm. I think she did it herself. I think she's a, like, make-your-own-mess kind of lady. Let's not forget she is the woman that bore Finn. It's true. And then dispensed with him. Well, prime suspect is poor old Sheila Canning, which, again, Sue's chucked her straight under that bus. Also makes no sense because she had a go at her at the pub and then they walked home and the house was ransacked. Like how long doing that ransacking job would at least take like an hour? Because they got everything. What did they actually get there? They didn't steal anything though. Didn't they just mess everything up? They stole some like things that they said weren't important or expensive. Oh, because then Sheila has that amazing crack going, Carl's such a miser, there's nothing of value in that house anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, when I saw it, I thought, oh no. The Hooga. Oh, yeah, that Dutch corner or whatever it is. But, you know, like how um, Magda, all her interior decorating money went into creating this this comfort. And then now, yeah, it's all gone. We need her back to re-Hooga the house. It did look very clean at the end of the week, though. Like the set decorators had really put it all back together. Yeah. You know, one of my favourite tweets of this week was from Shane Ishiv, who is there. Oh, yeah, he writes for the show, for Neighbours. He said, in my head, Claudia is actually Sheridan from E Street. She changed her name to escape her horror past. The reason she hates Finn so much, he's really the spawn of Mr. Bad. Mic drop. I've been saying this ever since we first met her, haven't we? Yeah. In fact, I'm very surprised Shane didn't hear that from you yourself, Kate. But um, it's the Mr. Bad family tree. Lives on. It's canon now, in my mind. (laughs) Well, now, why do we suspect it's Claudia Beck? Because what's she been plotting? I'm taking a deep bloody breath, guys, to get through this because I'm not in a good place about all this. Uh, So Claudia wants to take custody, and you guys know how much that word irks me, 
of baby Asta. Because you're in family law and you don't use that word. It's not a thing. Children are not objects. But Claudia's turned up and decided she's going to get custody of Asta. And to do that, she has to show that Ellie's a hot mess. Now, to be frank, I would have thought Ellie's a hot mess anyway. We don't need to ransack no houses. But uh, I just, look, I don't know if this would bore you to tears, but I can't work you through all the ways that this would not happen. Claudia ain't getting that kid, mate. Give us a few ways. Hang on. So if you're burgled, you won't lose your custody of your child? Well, I was thinking more broadly, Kate, but yes, good point. Um, So let's just say, let me put my lawyer hat on and say this case is before the court, right? This, firstly, we got to assume Ellie's not taking her with her to jail. Fine. Let's go down that road. This woman who has never met this child, has nothing to do with this child other than biology which, you know, tenuous at best, let's get her to just take this kid she's never met. There is no judge in the world that is going to say that's good for a kid. Biology doesn't mean you win. And I could not see a situation where that child would not stay living in the Kennedy house. Especially when the courts are like, oh, Claudia, um, it seems you abandoned one of your children when they were kidnapped. Well, I was going to say, Claudia's parenting doesn't really speak for itself, does it? But judges in the family court have to look at what is called the best interest of the child. And the best interest of that child is staying in a home that she knows with people that she knows. Would Claudia be able to um, argue that Susan is not the best judge of character to be around Asta? Like, could they suggest a third party? I'm thinking Darren for Asta to go and live with instead. Basically, anyone who is... I think what the words of the Family Law Act are, anyone who's concerned with the care, welfare or development of a child can make an application to the court to have them live with them. So Darren, arguably, because Asta did live there for a while. Um, But I reckon even Sue, like Sue's at her worst, is still someone that the child knows Carl's there, B's there. I just, Mm. yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's fun for television, but in the real world, if I was, uh, if I was Claudia's lawyer, I'd be saying, don't waste your time or money, mate. I think even, um, nutty Auntie Liz would have a better case than Claudia. Sorry, not Auntie Liz, Grandma Liz. Yeah, Claudia's very removed, very removed. Could Claudia say, look, I want to be part of the child's life, but Ali won't let me? She could. Yeah, and that happens. Like grandparents come to court and say, it often happens like, let's just say parents split up and the kids live with the dad and the mum's parents aren't seeing the kids because the kids are with the dad, Um, they might go to court and say, I want to see the kid and grandparents are entitled to do that. That does happen. So she could, but I just think I'm not sure how she says – I guess her case is um, this child needs a link to their paternal family. I guess that's her best option and her dad's dead and her uncle's dead and a murderer. But I just, I I don't think she's going to get what she wants out of this. What about with her living overseas? Would that be like another um, point against her that they'd be taking Asta away from the chance to go and see Ellie every week or whatever? Yeah. Logistics are on their side, yeah. Absolutely. And not just Ellie, like she's lived at the Kennedys, you know, like they're they're not going to say this kid needs to go overseas away from everything she's ever known when there's a perfectly good house she can live in where they can, you know, catch the bus with um, Harlow down to the prison um, (laughs) and see Ellie. (laughs) And also the other thing, because what 
Did someone say something about Ellie's will? Was that you guys or on the show? Oh, that was me. So the other thing is that what's in a will about the arrangements for children isn't actually legally binding. That's just a statement of wishes. Oh, right. And you can use it in the family court and it people can be swayed by it because they say, well, if that's what the parent wanted. But just because it's in the will doesn't mean it's actually what's going to happen. So, Beck, would Claudia's best case be to say... I want to have a relationship with the child. Can you mandate it so that I can see the child once a month or something? Yeah, that's going to be her best option. Now, I have a question for you guys. So her lawyer, I wasn't watching when this mysterious lady was on the show last time. So who is she? Better known as Simone Buchanan from Hey Dad fame. (laughs) I knew her from Hey Dad, but who is she in the Neighbours universe? Sorry. Okay. Now, do you remember Libby's ex-husband, Dan? Yes. Okay. She was his first wife. Right. It was a bit off her rocker. Which, okay, by the way, hindsight, the show painted her as if she was off her rocker, but really she had serious mental health issues that maybe weren't being adequately treated. Also, she'd been married to Dan and that guy was an asshole. So. And boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was also in a business partnership with Toadie. They were both um, lawyers together, weren't they? Oh. Forgotten. So that's why she's got beef with the Kennedys. Yes, because she hated Libby. <laughs> and also, um, remember Susan got knocked up with Dan's baby as well? So that was probably another thing that Susan had that um, old mate didn't. What's her name again? I keep on thinking she's Sam. Is it Sam? Sam, Samantha Fitzgerald. Okay, yeah. So that's another thing that Sam's got a beef with. Well, because Susan was going to be a surrogate, but then... It didn't work out. Some, now, there was a car accident along these lines that hurt either Susan and Susan lost the baby or Sam and then Sam couldn't have kids anymore. There was some tragedy around all of that. It's a lot of car accidents. I love a neighbour's storyline. You get hit by a car and suddenly you can't have kids anymore. <laughs> it's a very direct response. <laughs> Injury, don't you think? It wasn't that she broke a femur. It's just, it went straight to her uterus, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she mentions that she tried to sue someone else a few years ago. Who was that, Kate? Do you remember? I cannot remember. I couldn't even remember what Maddox had done or where he had gone in his. And that was <laughs> and that was like two months ago. Exactly. <laughs> mm. So, Beck, what's your thoughts on the charges against Ellie? Do you, do you feel that there's enough reasonable doubt, at least forensically, that she's actually deliberately tried to murder him? Well, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but I am a human with a brain. And I think a human with a brain can tell you there is enough reasonable. Like, surely they just go, oh, that was on the back of his head. He fell on the back of his head. Yes. I don't get it. And I also just think Ellie going to jail for not killing Finn is actually not a fair ending for that character either. Mm. I would have rather she did kill him. Yeah. She should end as a hot mess. Like, she should have created her own mess. Yeah. But maybe this is the hottest mess of all that she's actually... That she stumbled into. Yes. And I guess maybe it gives an opportunity for her to come back if she wants to come back. It's true. I'm still hoping... So Mark mentions this week that he's going to be in Erinsborough until the trial's done. Uh, so, like, what, two more years, Mark? I Well, I assume it's an Erinsborough legal system, so everything will be done in seven episodes or something I don't know but he mentions that so I'm still I don't want to hope this for anyone but I'm still hoping that Ali says you know what when I go to prison I think Mark should have my baby I I really (laughs) think yeah I mean the lawyer in me cannot work out how that would work but the Mark Brennan lover in me Mm. thinks that is the best idea I've ever heard um Beck 
say you had a friend who um you know was in Ellie's position. Mm. Would you say to her, um, don't go to the guy who does all the local conveyancing. How about we find <laughs> you a like the best criminal defender in Melbourne? I would absolutely say that. Yes. When she said, "Oh yeah," was it? She was saying to Claudia. When, yeah. Was it Claudia? She goes, "Yeah, my lawyer's um Toadie." I was like, "Oh mate, don't brag." No. <laughs> And also, Toadie should be on sick leave. Yeah. He had a big blow to the head. He's not ready to come back to work. He's had a big 12 months. He needs some long service leave. That's what he needs. I, I just remember him failing in the Steph and Ringo trial. Mm. That's what's going to happen here. It's going to be a rewrite of that scene. You know who we need? We need Imogen Willis. Yes. That finally yeah. copped a blame from Sheila last week. Yeah. And, and Sheila already was not a big fan of Imogen. Remember the pig's head situation? Ooh. Oh, man. But that is who needs to come back for sure. And it's actually really sad. I'm with Beck. If she goes to prison and we just never see Ali again after that, I think that's a terrible ending to her story. Everything in your life will be going along smoothly. And then something happens out of the blue. Unfair dismissal. You attempt a homicide. Or you didn't shake hands when you agreed to co-own that second-hand car. And you have to get your affairs in order. But you never did legal studies. So now you need a good lawyer. But you can't really afford one. So you consider someone nearby you can trust. Well, someone nearby. Jared Rebecca Lawyers. No win, no charge. I want to talk about Grief Circle, my new favourite addition to Ramsey Street. I want to hear more about the first woman that was interviewed in the Grief Support Network. Oh, yes. My name is Candy. We came here on our own. So now house gone. It's just me. I really wish I could have my sister around. I'm feeling quite lonely. What a fascinating story. I know. She she actually had an accent, which was nice to hear on Neighbours. Mm. And also I loved – so Sheila's invited down to the community centre to participate in a grief counselling session, which is admirable. However, I do think she also needs to have a one-on-one session with a psychologist. But we'll get there, I hope. I hope. But at this grief circle, there's no lead-in. It's just come in, sit down, jump up and tell your story, which is amazing. Spill your guts. You know – Carl, when suggesting that she goes to this, says, oh, look, it'll help to speak to people who've gone through the same thing. Really, is there a support group for people who've invited perpetrators of crime into their home, who've got amnesia, who think they're someone else, then they start to slowly bleed out of that? Is there a support group for that? Because that is a niche and a half and they should start a podcast. Yeah. And that's when he put it to Susan. And then when Kyle suggested it for Sheila, same deal. It's like, are you going to meet other people mm. whose son went to an island and when he was looking for a missing teenager got archeried into the back of the chest um, to death? I'm imagining not that common. <laughs> but loved it. Loved all the performances we got. And the bookend we got to it on Friday, which is all the Kennedys went down there and some of the most beautiful emotional acting I've seen, just when Susan shared her side of the story and she and Sheila were locking eyes, unbelievable performances. Tragedy happened in our lives recently and it was my fault. And it's not fair that my dear friend had to bury her son. I'm afraid in my own home, I'm afraid to trust my instincts because I allowed a dangerous and damaged man into our lives. Can we stop here for a moment? Because the grief support circle 
is not enough for all of Susan's problems. Like Susan needs to be going to see a professional to unpack all of this. This is like this is above their pay grade. And she, as soon as she saw Sheila, as soon as they should have just turned around and left that circle. Like what an asshole. But all of them, B, Harlow, Roxy, like everyone who was on the island, Sheila, anyone who lost someone, get a mental health plan from the GP and see a trained professional one-on-one. You can do it by telehealth now. You don't even have to go. I did my my psych session I did over the phone last week, mm. and it was quite fun. Imagine being in that circle and saying, oh, yeah, I'm here because my, my grandpa died at 85 last week. And Yeah. Um, holy shit, you guys were on the news. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just grief. Like they've got. Every category of emotion mm. and, you know, trauma all bound up. And I'm sure there's people with trauma in that room. Like that first lady, that sounded like she had a lot of complex stories. But still, they need to go to see that guy that re- rejected Harlow for her psych plan. That's who they need to go to or somebody better than him maybe. Or Sonia's ex-boyfriend. Mm. Yeah, get him back. There was He was that Jewish guy, right? Yeah. yeah. One thing I, w- I felt was unexplored in Grief Circle was the snacks because I could <laughs> see a snack table in the background mm. and I wondered whether it was like you had to bring something. Like, is it like a bring a plate or are they provided? Because Sheila brought Garrett Gazcan's biscuits. Yeah, that's what I, I really wanted to explore that. And also why did it move to the high school on Friday? Oh, because um, there was an Easter booking. Oh. There was an Easter event that got them turfed out of the community centre. Now, I would argue that a grief... That's disgusting. ...counselling session trumps the Easter hat parade or whatever the the hell they were going to put in there. What is wrong with them? Like, how is that (laughs) centre actually run that they think, yeah, no, send it down the bloody park, put them in the murder rotunda? Also, though, if you're in a grief circle, you don't really want, like, a hat parade going around outside, do you? No. I don't know. It might might pep you up. might. What a weird story arc, though. Like, I want to know why the writers thought, I know what we're going to do. Move the grief circle location. So we, we have to ring Susan to tell her about moving it. But I, I feel sorry for all the other people there who have found a safe place, <laughs> a, a safe familiar place that they're kind of like share their feelings in. And suddenly, oh, yeah, they're down in like the old humanities room at Erinsborough High. Well, maybe, okay, this could be a production amendment. This could have been something to do with scheduling um, because we know earlier in the week one of the writers tweeted that Prue's memorial, which we're about to talk about, was meant to be held outdoors. But because of the haze of bushfire smoke in Melbourne at the time, they couldn't shoot outside, so they moved it inside Hmm. to the Willis House set. So maybe that scheduling change meant that they couldn't use – the community centre set. Do you think it was meant to be like the Brad Willis um, park yoga grief circle? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds good. A lot of breath work. Or maybe it was meant to always be at the centre, but maybe they used the centre on the same set as the part of the Willis house or something mm. and they had to move. I don't know. Can you believe that like the, the bushfires don't feel that long ago and suddenly episodes are on air that were being filmed then? Mm. God, not at all. Also a million years ago. Yeah, simultaneously. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I'm actually really eager to see how ISO Neighbours plays out. Yeah, me too. I really want to see how it's going to reflect the stories. Yeah, and like what kind of changes they make to things. It'll be really interesting. I, I just don't really want them to show ISO life, really. Kind of like I just want them to – because they, they can't show real ISO life where you're actually stuck cheek by jowl with all your loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Tiger King. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I'm sure um, Suze and I'm sure Alan and Jackie don't actually live together in real life, but please surprise me if they do. Yeah, so I don't know. I just want them to do something clever and at least for the show to go go through in some form or another. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, though, imagine watching real ISO life. Like as in, imagine if there'd been a video camera set up at any of our houses lately. Like it's not that interesting, is it? No. But also if you think about it, if you remove a lot of the waterhole and whatever sets, a lot of what we see does take place in their homes. Yeah. I mean, the hospital will still be going. And Waterhole and Harold's will be delivery only. So they you could still do scenes there. Um, it just might mean we have to get a couple of bedroom sets up again. And who, who would lose their job and become an Uber Eats driver? Coil. Well, like, <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah. I mean, I, well, the buddy club wouldn't be going, would it? I mean, is that still going to go now? Because Finn was the administrator. <laughs> I guess the the number 82 would have to um, get back on the tracks and start delivering food. (laughs) Oh, my God, imagine that. That would be like the best delivery service ever if Kyle came and went like ding, ding. I actually think realistically Chloe would be one of the first to lose her job. Oh, yeah. She could do some um, delivery work. And Ned probably too. Oh, yeah, Ned's for sure. All of the hotel would go. Oh, no, no. Maybe they'd get the, you know, like with the hotels here, how like the overseas travellers are getting put up in the... A quarantine. Well, the good hotels. So, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe Lasseter's are staffed. Oh, that would actually be excellent. Get a couple of influencers in there that are complaining about everything. It'd be fun. <laughs> I don't want to be in the hotel where there was hidden cameras. The influencers would be like, I do. I do. Get them out. Put more hidden cameras. Well, let's t- we're in the grief vibe, so let's get to beautiful Harlow Robinson. Uh, lost her mum and some of the most amazing acting I've seen from a young lady who's not been an actor her whole life has just done an amazing performance of grief and she's basically doing what we're doing, sitting around her house in her loungewear, listening to things over and over again. Meanwhile... She's assigned Roxy to plan her mum's memorial, which I think is cute. They got along. They had similar vibes. And Roxy, I love what Roxy did here, but I'm very confused that she did it the day of the event. She said, we're going to have a party because that's what the restoration order, the cult, they, they had funeral parties. Great idea. Except she only decided that on the day. So she'd invited people. What was it going to be before? I wondered. Because it wasn't a funeral. They weren't at a funeral home. There's no body, right? They've had to sift it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no remains to speak of at the house. They've, yeah, they've just um they've pulled up a van and poured in the ashes into a thing. <laughs> but it could be car box. Just scoop out a bit of the gas can can and yeah. shove that over. Maybe they were going to like scatter her ashes down at the pond, whatever. Lasseter's Lake. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, at the end of the day, though, Prue didn't have anyone in this world. Like, Harlow was all she had, and they're not in their normal home. So it's not really going to be a normal service, is it? No. So, but how does Roxy plan a party on the spot? Does she go, oh, look, I'm just going to go into the butler's pantry, put like bring out, like, ten boxes of cheesels, and we're done? Yeah. I guess so. And booze, get Ned to do the booze run. Which surprises me because we, when we spoke to the um, to Liz Packett, who is one of the writers, and she says they often backseed certain things. They'll go, oh, now we've got this funeral coming up, or whatever. we've got this party coming up in two weeks. Yeah. Let's quickly reference something. I just don't understand. Earlier in the week, they could have planted in another episode, oh, we've got that garden service for Prue. Yeah. And then on the day, um, Roxy could have been like, I'm not vibing on the garden service. Let's have a party. That's pretty typical neighbours, though. Like, they had that Australia Day 
barbecue within three minutes. Like, they're not planners. <laughs> Look, it was a good solution. At least it followed her religious beliefs as well. <laughs> Cuckoo bananas as they may be. We're in no position to be, you know, having a go at her belief. They all sounded like great beliefs, to be honest. It was like, think positively. Be special to people. You have no power over me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Does anyone want to talk about the voicemail? Capital letters. CJ? So Harlow's hanging around with Hendrix all the time before the service. And she's got what looks like a 1995 Discman headset on. (laughs) This, I mean, it's probably retro now. Maybe I don't even understand it. Yeah. Typo probably sells one that you can plug into your phone. Yeah, and they're not they're not either Beats or AirPods, which is all I see these days. So I'm not sure. Um, but Hendrix is just being round all the time, and it's really sweet. To me, it seems like he doesn't know how to help, but he's doing the exact right thing. Of when you don't know how to help, you're just going to be there for them, and you're going to do whatever they need. So Harlow's just sitting there listening to these headphones. And Paul tries to get her phone, I guess it's her phone or whatever music device she's listening to it on, off her and it unplugs the headphones and we hear that she's just been listening to the voicemails that her mother left on her phone over and over and over again. Incredible. And at this point we're meant to think it's like for two days she's been listening to this on repeat. That was a really powerful technique, I thought. That really got me. I'm like, oh, that poor girl. Yeah. I just worry. I worry about her welfare. Like, Paul and Tarage, she's she's still a kid. She's, I mean, she's a pretty grown-up kid, but no kid, no nobody should be listening to those abusive voicemails nonstop. And that's where you go, look, Hendrix, you are lovely, mm. but you're enabling this behaviour and it's not healthy for her. But I do agree with Harlow in that Paul should not be dictating how she grieves and that and he shouldn't be yanking that off of her, but he can sit down and have a chat and say, hey, this is not the healthiest way to move through this. What else can we do to get your mum, keep your mum in your life right now instead of just flying off the handle? Maybe they can build her a statue next to Gary's statue. Well, what could be the prue tree that we plant? Maybe like pears or something. Maybe a plum. It'd be the prue pruned afterwards. Ooh, great. Or maybe they could do a statue of that moment when Gaz was exposing himself to her on the <laughs> Skype. They could, someone could cast that moment in bronze. Or Ned could spray paint it some, on something. On the tram. Back of the tram. Oh, that's true. You can guarantee that she was like leaning into the camera, like um, pushing her cleavage together. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and like trout pout or something. <laughs> and so, CJ, what does Paul do? Butterfingers, Robinson. He deletes the voicemails. Clumsily trying to wrestle her phone off her. Yeah, which, by the way, you remember, if you try and delete a voicemail, you have to listen and hear what number it is. It's really hard. Oh. Um, and the, I hate voicemails. I know. And the iPhone has a recently des- deleted fo- folder. And so I assume she would have had an iPhone. But anyway, I uh, worked in telecommunications for a long time. My husband still does. And this kind of thing where people have kept voicemails and they get deleted either by this or by, you know, the telecommunications companies happens all the time and they, people can never get them back. Oh, Well, lucky, Beck, who comes to the rescue? Oh, his Royal Highness, Mark Brennan. <laughs> But also, like, I mean, was that not the most Mark Brennan moment? Like, oh, I've just got a copy of it down at the station. I'll give you one after the uh, trial's over. Mm. And I was like, Mark, stop giving evidence out to people willy-nilly. You are an officer of the law. 
It's such a treat. It's like when you're a kid and like you're friends with a kid whose parents own a shop or a milk bar and they can just give you food for free. <laughs> That's what he's mm. like. All right, I'm opening up around the back. Evidence shed. Here you go. Here's some strawberries and creams. <laughs> he's just honestly like he's the most beautiful man alive, but his incompetence oh, is just blowing Rebecca my mind. Dahl, come on. <laughs> Stop I it. Love him, Kate. With the beard and the okay. I'll stop now. It was nice how he helped her, but it was hilarious that it was using police evidence. I mean, if we start with the fact that he's investigating a murder charge against his ex-wife down to who would like some evidence from the police station? <laughs> I mean, he did say after the trial you can have it. Oh, <laughs> of course, He has given it to Evaya. She has it already. Yeah. I have zero doubt about that. You know what? I love how he was like... Oh, you'll have to wait till the end of the trial, grieving teenage girl. But my, all the other people, they can have whatever they want now. <laughs> I'll just go get that. Oh, I mean, what what damage could she do if they got it now? Like she, all she'd have to do is go and put it in a form, probably. Let's be honest. This whole investigation is stuffed up the wazoo anyway. The way that evidence is going to the whole street and these two bloody cops who know everyone on the street. Like, it's just a farce. So they may as well upload everything to the cloud and podcast it. That's what I reckon. Like, open up the roller door, come on in. Now, this leads to two couples and the way they deal with their grief differently, CJ. So after the memorial service, two couples go back to different houses. So firstly, we have Roxy and Coyle, which they are, you're, you're calling... Coxie. 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 Okay. Coxie. What did I call them, Kate? Coxie's Midnight Swimmers. Oh. I love that. But <laughs> how did that not make an episode title, Vaya? <laughs> because I don't know how many of our audience are Dexie's Midnight Runners fans. Uh, this week I was thinking I kind of like Coxie's Midnight Nutters as well. <laughs> so they head over to the cannery and they have another cute little flirty conversation, much like they had on the island when they first hooked up, where Roxy's like, anything you want, I'm here for you, I'm your mate. And he's like, well, what if I need a kiss? And I didn't like that. It made me like, I just wanted to be like, oh, don't say that. That's so, ugh. oh, I loved it. I liked it. <laughs> I was living for it. <laughs> so Roxy gives him a kiss on the cheek, which is I feel like was classic. And then, of course, they lock eyes and Pash. They jump on the couch. Very inappropriate time for my four-year-old to be watching Neighbours with me. <laughs> and it was like tops off. It was like we were back on Bum Island. Yeah. They're very sexy together, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They position them really well because we all know Roxy is half the size of him <laughs> and they put her on the step or on, on top of him on the couch or whatever. You can't really tell, which I think is pretty cool. So then poor Kyle sees Gary's photo and, yeah. And and the urn. Yeah, the gas can can. Cock blocked him. Yeah. But I love that. I'm like, no, come on, you know Gaz would be there. Even in person he'd be going, no, no, go on, go on, come on, get it up. <laughs> oh, get it Yep, he would. You're right, Kate. You're 100% right. He'd just be sitting there chewing on his bliss balls. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awkward. It is really awkward. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, you got to turn around and do this, and that's the limper ladybird. And that's how we deal with grief in this house. <laughs> but what this leads to for Kyle throughout the week, Coyle, is that he actually probably wants to have a relationship with Roxy. Well, yeah, because he kept going around to ask her out and then Teray was doing little side eyes and 
picking up on clues. I have to say, like, this has been, this is a great time in Neighbours, but I reckon there's some of the actors on there have really been given their time to shine. And I reckon Chris Milligan is one of them. Like, he is bringing it. From the moment he walked into that door when Gary died, he has been, he has been knocking it out of the park. Hard agree. And to rage even in that moment, you had to do a lot of little side eyes and face acting, being present in the background and foreground of certain scenes, but nailing it. Yeah. Because she's also got involvement in the other coupling, the grief-sex coupling. <laughs> See, this is an either-or relationship. If Coyle and Roxy are getting it on, Harlow and Hendrick Sarge, but vice versa. Yeah. So because Croxy didn't get it on... Harlix did this week. How did everyone feel about this momentous occasion? So I think we're led to believe that this was Harlow's first time but not Hendrix's. Is that right? Did he bang someone in one of the Lasseter's hotel rooms? I, I can't remember. Probably. I don't think he did, but I read it the same way, CJ, that he kind of knew what he was doing and she yeah. didn't. Which I'm tired of a little bit because it's Taylor's oldest time. It's like, oh, I'm the macho man about town. I get around and I'm the innocent girl and I'm not sexual yet. It's like, whatever. I actually thought it was really well done, though. Oh, yeah. I, I loved this. Yeah, I thought it was really well done, but also I agree with you there, Vaya, that I don't know if we always have to have it that way, but also a man like Hendrix, or boy like Hendrix, definitely, even if he didn't know what he was doing, would still be pretending like he did, right? So, yeah. Oh, come on, guys. I feel like he'd be a sensitive lover, don't you think? Um, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) While in the fictional world he's at school, I'm not comfortable entertaining (laughs) that concept. (laughs) But even if he'd made certain bases at um, during Truth or Dare, he'd yeah he'd wear it with confidence. Yeah, exactly. So a point that Harlow makes is that the party funeral is her mum's style, but not necessarily hers. So she goes back to Hendrix's house to do what she thinks would be the most fun ever. And if, to be honest, if she's a virgin, it's probably not going to be that good. But anyway, um, I don't like that mythology either. Really. Yeah, I had a great first time. But anyway. <laughs> That's wonderful. But also I was a late bloomer. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone was very well read by that stage. Well, I think that's the thing. And so Hendrix with his four experiences, probably. (laughs) I don't know. Three and a half, probably. Um, I don't know how much he's going to bring to the table. Um, But the other thing is, is they probably have had a bit to drink. Because no one's really going to stop a 17-year-old from drinking at her mum's funeral. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, her inhibitions are probably a bit loosened up. Yeah, but yeah, going to the next day... She um, decides to sit down on the, the back patio and have a breakfast powwow with um, Tarage and Roxy about how she lost her virginity the night before, which sent me into full body cringe, to be honest. <laughs> it's awkward city limits. Oh, who would talk to there? I mean, I know Tarage is a pretty cool dude, but she still is your step grandma. You're telling about these things. Also, your granddad's listening to it as well in the background. Like, oh. As much as I love Tarage in that scene, she didn't need to be in that scene. It could have just been Harlow and Roxy yes. confiding in each other. Yeah. And then Paul overhears and blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Paul bit. I was just like, you don't want your parents to think you have sex, but I think your grandparents oh. is just taking it to a whole new level. But she didn't think Paul was listening. I guess that was the thing. I'm eight months pregnant and I'm still uncomfortable thinking that the adults in my life know I've had sex. At least once. <laughs> They've got confirmation. <laughs> I was hoping never to confirm it. Then Paul storms over to Castle Grayson 
and <laughs> which is my new name for the ex-Brendan. Amazing, because um, now we've got the Kendon. We can't have the Brendan. Yeah, Castle Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys get the reference yeah. there? Hey, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad. We're of an era. <laughs> and he confronts Hendrix and Pierce and Chloe about their date-raping son. What did you do to my granddaughter? Oh, what the hell? What's this about? Your son forced himself on Harlow. What? That isn't what happened. Oh, yes, it is. You took advantage of it. Didn't okay, you? you need to back off. Paul drew quite a long bow there. R.I.P. Gascan. Paul had to connect hella dots. Mm. Basically, Harlow was like, I slept with him. I'm not sure it was the right decision. And Paul's like... He took advantage and goes on the warpath. This is classic Paul, though. I have to say, I'm not the greatest fan of Pierce. I think he's a bit vanilla, but he was great in that moment. That whole... Really? Eventually. Was it that moment or was it later on? I think it was later on. It was a few scenes later. He fired up. Yeah, I'm probably leading in a bit too good for him. But... He had to have a couple of coffees and then he got going. Yeah, when he spoke to Hendrix, though, oh, that scene, hashtag enthusiastic consent... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, oh, teens these days, they're so cute, aren't they? The things they learn. That's what I said. My husband said enthusiastic consent. Like he was like, wow, this is a big conversation for neighbours. And not only that, but a big three-letter word for neighbours was uttered several times, and that is sex, 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 sex. Nearly fell off my couch. (laughs) I felt like we were watching Endgame again. But at least they're not saying making love because that makes me cringe. Ever since uh, I saw um, Fifty Shades of Grey, it just makes me, oh. Uh. Well, like Home and Away, they often say taking it to the next level. Oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's like corporate talk. We've got to take it to the next level. <laughs> it's like, oh, Christ, mate. I don't know if we can add any more features to this. Home and Away once did this amazing no, no consent storyline and – what, were they both unconscious? <laughs> no. <laughs> one person didn't have consent. It was with Tamman Sursock's character and all the cast, the, the characters had to go around saying, Kane was with Danny. <laughs> My God. Euphemism city. But then her sister married him. Anyway, that's for another podcast, yeah, I'm sure. that was hectic. Oh, that storyline. I remember that. I had a weird thought process that I feel comfortable sharing in this circle. Go back. This is the grief circle. It's open to all. It's a safe space. I thought, could Aaron monetize somehow brand enthusiastic consent and do like a safe <laughs> sex program for teenagers? <laughs> Love it. Like they could run it, you know, like the next level of bloody buddy club. Like when you're a bit older, you're going to brand enthusiastic consent. This is amazing. <laughs> So good. Thank you. I feel I'm glad I've got it out. I'm so glad Erin Sparrow High is teaching the kids some good things. Remember how was it Hendrix who copped a lecture? Oh no, or was it Shitbag Richie copped a lecture about periods? But also Hendrix copped it because he didn't wait for Harlow's consent when he kissed her at the dance. Mm. Well, so he's learned. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Someone's done something good there. Must be that fill-in principal. Whoever replaced Ellie. One of the most powerful pieces of dialogue during the week was Harlow's speech to Paul, I thought, when she said, I don't like being controlled. I know you like to have control over your children and your family. Please don't do that to me. I'm my own person and I'm independent and I want to have my own feelings and reactions, make my own mistakes and decisions. And then within four minutes, he was completely disregarding her wishes and running into her relationship and moving things around in it. And how does she react Afterwards, well, firstly, she ring she goes to see her father. 
Oh, yeah, she takes the bus. And she really rubs that in <laughs> his face, yeah. But I actually think there was a shift here because Harlow now doesn't have another option. Paul is her option for where she lives. So the whole time he's been desperate to keep her, but now actually he's her guardian in a sense. Like she's 17, right? So she doesn't so much need it as mm. much as a four-year-old. But it now sort of seems like, well, Paul's here as her moral compass, which is awkward. And I think that's the problem. Like Paul's like, oh, now I have to be the whole parent, which at the end of the day, it's only Prue that's gone. She wasn't like an excellent parent anyway. Thank God Tarage is still there to go pull your head in, pull your head in, pull your head in. She's like, look, I've only just stopped parenting a teenage girl. I'll just, you know, keep up these skills while I've still got them. I'll just transition them over like it's fine. And she's already been like teaching her how to drive and stuff. There's no difference. It's just that her mother's now passed. Mm. But it seems like we've definitely got he's no longer a father figure. It's like it's really pushed now. It's like his father. And she's having none of it. In answer to your question, how is she reacting? She's like, no, I'm going to do what I want and you are going to behave, Grandpa. And he puts his tail between his legs and goes over and apologises, even though Hendrix is not there, leaves a message, which is a bit weird. (laughs) And the classic moment when Harlow says to Grandad, you know, oh, were you just mucking around in my business? How would you like it? And starts tearing up his paperwork. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. She should like smash his iPad or something. There's probably a lot more on that. Or his flip phone. Yeah, oh, the flip phone. Bring um, Paul into the new millennium. Well, let's finish off with the house from hell. The <laughs> Mackenzie's party of one where she's squatting in her aunt's fully furnished apartment that she's left behind to go work in Fremantle and just cut off the utilities but left behind her Dyson vacuum cleaner, which I don't know, I'd be taking that with me. Yeah. Mackenzie's having a hard time of it because suddenly the bills start rolling in and Roxy's like, oh, sorry, I didn't think of any of this. Good luck, teenager. I'll give you a free toasted sandwich. Well, Roxy's solution is Mackenzie should find a housemate and Roxy suggests an app which can only be housematesfromthebighouse.com because then it births... (laughs) The new odd couple, McManix. I'd like, I saw, oh, Mannix, yeah. Who the, yeah, look, I remember you. I remember there was something initially with Leo. I remember we've seen you quite recently. Cannot remember anything about you, though. I tweeted words to that effect and actually got a reply from Megan Kellish on Twitter who said, he owes Paul the money that Paul paid Jane, therefore Paul owns him. Jane has a brief chat with him before he last vanished. I presume Paul will have a need for a dodgy henchman shortly. But also he was the one that birthed the bauble, Mannix, because Paul was um, in turmoil because he thought he'd killed Mannix. Yes. And then they conjured up the Jim Bauble Robinson Ghost. I reckon Mannix needs an Etsy store with haunted baubles. Yeah, I'm in. I'll, pu- I'll put one up next to my embroidery hoop. <laughs> Have one with the Gazcan, Prue, <laughs> Finn. 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 Oh, he'd be a malevolent spirit. Legal Eagle Beck, what are the legalities of leaving your 17-year-old ward? Yeah, I was thinking that and I think probably 17's okay. But to be fair, Aunty Trish thought she was leaving her in a house with adults. But she didn't have a lot of follow-up questions. She, no. I guess she doesn't have any experience raising kids. She's been living the single life, having a great time flying up the career ladder. But all she needed was, okay, yeah, she can stay here. It looks clean. There's nice picture frames. And what's with Trish just leaving her place fully furnished? 
Like, I don't understand what's going on there. Has she got plans to sell the townhouse or it's all weird? At least she could have just said, I'm going to rent it out as an Airbnb. And Mackenzie could have been like, I'll look after that. I'll organise the cleaners. Yeah, I feel like Mick Mannix is going somewhere bad. The ominous music is in full force. Oh, the padlock on the door, mate, he's setting up a meth lab in that spare bedroom. <laughs> it's Mackenzie Mannix's meth. Three M's. She's so pure and innocent. She doesn't even know to ask for, like, rental references. Mate, she's going to learn some shit. Oh. She's very, very naive. How did she get to being her age and kind of the adversity she's faced whilst being that naive? I guess because she's had all that other shit to deal with. She was too busy, I don't know, campaigning to get, like, hormone blockers and stuff, and so she didn't realise how the rest of the world was operating. Mm. But, look, Uncle Puff's still looking out for her, isn't he? He, um, he saw Roxy giving her food from work, and she's like, oh, no, our nutrition's just away. And so he's like, okay, well, look, if you need food, just put it on my tab, which, what a sweet man. Bless. But um, Puff got some good news this week as well, where he's been accepted into an accelerated learning program at Eden Hills Uni, which as soon as I heard that, I was like, ah, this explains how seemingly everybody else who ever went to Eden Hills Uni got a degree within six months. Because it's accelerated. Yes. Mm. That's how Toadie became a lawyer in like bugger all. And like all those teachers who barely studied at uni for 18 months and now teaching at Aaronsborough High. Oh, but it's very nebulous what he's studying, though. Some kind of engineering situation. I'm very excited for him that he didn't, like, take his end of school to do something, like, ridiculous. Like, engineering, that's a pretty solid degree. Although I must say, like, they were, engineering students have a real um, stereotype of being drunk, so probably getting good marks in the first year, like, not that hard. You know, everyone else is drunk. Maybe because, yeah, he's a mature age student and he's like, mate, I don't have time to just hop on the piss every day at uni. I, I might just do my assignments and go home to my wife. And my part-time job is at a pub, so I can drink whenever I want to. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, you know, 40, so... <laughs> Can I also add another puffy sidebar that I really enjoyed this week yes. at Prue's Memorial when Roxy had the game where you had to pick out someone's name and say something nice about them mm. and he picked out Ned and the best thing he could say was that he drew a nice mural. <laughs> that was a fantastic moment. <laughs> it was a bit of Photoshop, mate. The amount of beats that they take when Puffy and Ned are awkward around each other is priceless. So good. Like they don't have to have that. Big pause, but they put it in and it's always worth it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, actually, yeah. So, Villain of the Week is now living with vulnerable trans teen. I'm very nervous. I hope she's going to be okay. Great apartment set, though. Dude, it's like the toddler. They're not going to, like, have Mackenzie hurt or injured in any way. Okay, good. Thank you. Mm. Maybe she'll be held at, held at, like, ransom, though. Like, I reckon that's a possibility. On Yash Feelsaver. Yeah, maybe even... You know, because Harlow, Paul might have to pay more money because Mackenzie's important to Harlow and he's trying to buy everything that he can for Harlow. Yeah, to make up for mm. it. Um, shall we do citizen or shitizen? Let's go for it. Kate? Oh, look, I'm just going to keep to a theme here and just say Susan Kennedy, shitizen. <laughs> She's, look, people are going to have to do some pretty bad things or pretty good things for me to get off this train. I'm just, I've got so many feelings, though. So many feelings. No, get some feelings when you see Sheila grieving. That's where I'm getting my feelings from. I can have feelings in multitudes. In fact, <laughs> I am having them. Um, I would like to do a dual citizen and it's 
to the loved ones of the grieving, Hendrix and Roxy, it cannot be easy to support your new flame through their very difficult time. And I think they're both doing their level best Mm. to be there. And sexy time wasn't the first thing they tried. They tried a whole bunch of other stuff first. And I appreciate both of them. That's beautiful. CJ? I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give Shittison to Paul Robinson. Whoa! Oh, CJ. I know. These are unprecedented times. (laughs) Drink, Beck, drink. (laughs) I'm going to follow it up by probably needing to do a um, a citizen as well. But Hendrix didn't know what to do. And I I do take Kate's point that perhaps he had been enabling her by listening to the voicemail. But he's a teenage boy and he doesn't know how to do this either. But Paul understands grief. He understands, possibly understands his granddaughter. And he's just doing anything he can to upset her. And that's not really fair. I also have complete faith that he can bring it around and be a better grandfather. And she's not asking for much. It's not like she's like, well, I'm going to underage drink and go to nightclubs and tear the house apart. She's like, I'm going to sit here quietly and have some intense emotions. Yeah, I would like to put my headphones on. <laughs> this is what she wants to do. So, But he's, he's not for it. I want to say that Citizen Roxy is the best supporter in the world. Yeah. If I was going through um, grief or any kind of problem or if I just really wanted to hook up with someone, she is there <laughs> for people. And she had one of the lines of the week too when Puffy comes around to the McManics flat and he's like, what are you doing here? I, I didn't know you were friends with Mackenzie. And she goes, I'm everybody's friend. <laughs> yeah, and she is. So, I, you know, look, I'll give her a little citizen to back it up because I feel so terrible about doing a citizen with Paul. Bechdahl, big week for you. I think it has been a big week for me. I'm going to give – I mean, I was going to give Shittison to Claudia, but that's too obvious. So I think I'm going to do another vote for Hendrix for Citizen. He just – I mean, brand enthusiastic consent was just really, (laughs) really important moment for me. And I think he has just acted in a way that I don't think any other 17-year-old boy is capable of. Mm. So you go, girl. Friend. And and acted in a way that six months ago him was not yeah. capable of. Correct. He's a new man and I'm here for it. Oh, I feel cleansed. Well, that's this week done. I hope the UK catches up because I need them. Yeah. I need them with us on this. It's so good. I've seen like chats about uh, it's really getting to people. So I hope it's over soon. I really do. It really bothered me this week too because one of our most enjoyable things at the moment is coming together on, on the, in the online community and – Mm. overanalyzing all this bizzo. So anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, I must say watching Neighbours at the end of a day is just a delight at the moment. A, because, look, it's fun to watch, but it's just it's been really good. So I, I wouldn't want that to be taken from me right and now. And KB's been watching with me, my partner. Oh, yeah. Phil's been up in Melbourne yeah. and he's been watching oh. it as well. Oh. It's bringing households together. Yeah, actually, I'm here in Adelaide with my parents and I've got my mum back on board. So it's Beautiful. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beck, where are you hanging out online? Well, look, I am still hanging out at Chicks Talking Footy, but we ain't got a lot of footy to chat about at the moment. Mm. So I'm trying to like do more on my personal Twitter. So I want more friends or whatever they're called. So it's <laughs> Reanda, R-E-A-N-D-A, 26. I want some friends. Excellent. We will be there. CJ, where are you? I'm at CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. And much like last week, it's just me and food. 
Now you're doing a few things. You're getting out your rowing machine. I saw, I saw that. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do um exercise. So we've got a new nighttime routine where I exercise right before Neighbours, and then I watch Neighbours as my son groans because he doesn't want to watch Neighbours, and it's kind of fun actually. <laughs> Kate, where are you? I'm at Remude on Twitter. Oh yeah, Beck, you got to get into the live commentary with us from your personal account. Yes, I should actually. Six thirty weeknight. Although the Queenslanders are back. No, but I'm behind. Beck's still half an hour behind. <sighs> We lost Adelaide. She went from leapfrogging the Queenslanders to being behind the Queenslanders now. Oh, God. Do it on half an hour delay. It'll be cute. Yeah, why not? It's adorbs. I'm at Vaya Pashos and we are neighbourspod.com and the Facebook group is Neighbours Council where we have nightly chat threads for each episode. So even if you are behind, you can just go to the episode number picture and still talk under there and we'll chat back. Uh, Patreon.com slash neighbourspod. And don't forget to rate or review us. We know you've got the time. We did get a new review. I'll screenshot it. I'll post it in the council. Keep safe, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Beck, for joining us. Thanks, guys. We will chat next week. Bye. 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 Stay well. we